Apartments.com believes a dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. This is now the second episode since Keeping Up aired. And (laughs) And Emma already proclaimed it the best season of Keeping Up the Kardashians ever. She looks at me last night and she's like, this is the best season they've ever had. I was like, we're two episodes in. I just feel like we are getting unfiltered drama in a way that we haven't before. I don't know. Do you think I'm wrong? Maybe they changed the format of the show. They have. It's like, I feel like they're getting that we don't want the fluff. We want to see the real behind the scenes shit that we have no idea about. And maybe they're listening to us. Imagine. Quite frankly, we're the best like focus group they could ever have. It's so true. They should be listening to us. Yeah, in an ideal world, but okay. Anyway, obviously, as always, we're going to recap the episode. We have so many thoughts just about everything, so let's just, without further ado, get into it. Shall we, kid? We shall. Okay. We start with the opening scene, which... Let me just preface by saying, last episode, it left us with Chloe in hysterics, you know, about the drama that was going on at True's first birthday. It's not how she envisioned the party to go. And she basically walked out, I'm not going to say stormed out, but walked out crying. So we pick up right where we left off, and she's kind of really upset. And she says to Courtney, Tristan is so free to sit there and talk to Yay as if you're the victim. That's disgusting. (laughs) Penelope chimes in, and she's like, they should fight at a different time because of all these kids. So cute. And also— So wise. So wise. I think what, you know, Chloe's frustration kind of switched from being pissed at Kim to from it, to instigating it to being, like, pissed at Tristan for even having anything to say about it. Well, I think her being pissed at Kim was an initial reaction because she just had to get her anger out and she just wasn't going to blow up at Tristan at the party. It just would, would have been inappropriate. And it was easier to just yell at Kim and deal with it later than, like, to have, like, a whole freak out on Tristan. Yeah. So then they go, and the next scene is kind of focused also about this. So Chloe's talking to Kim, and, you know, she's saying that she could tell that Kanye was so uncomfortable. And she's like, I respect the fact that Kanye even stood there and listened to him. And and she's saying that Kanye, like, kept texting her apologizing, which I I thought was—I was caught off guard by. I wasn't. I, of course you weren't. But that was a really, like, classy— You let like, like Kanye surprise you a lot. I do. Because I don't think you th- see the best in him, and I do. So I'm never surprised by his actions. That's true. I guess I sometimes think— no, it's because I sometimes think of him as so narcissistic, or not even narcissistic, just like, I don't know, self-centered, which is basically the same thing, that I forget that he's also incredibly thoughtful. I think the other thing is that you think of Kanye in terms of Kim and not in terms of the whole family, whereas I think that Kanye sees himself as now, like, the patriarch of the family. And because of that, I think he feels a responsibility, which we we haven't all picked up on because we don't see it as much. We're also seeing Kanye more this season. That's which true. Which is why you're getting a more— like, unfiltered view as to his actions. Isn't it interesting that Kim's husband would be considered the patriarch versus, like, Corey? Like, I don't see a world where 
someone else would be considered. Any of well, their also, other— also, Kim's the only one that's married. Okay, fine. But, like, whoever—even if Kim and—I mean, Chris and Corey got married, I still think that, like, Kanye— It's a different respect. I Just—there's something different about it. I don't know what it is. Also, I think Kanye came into the family when Caitlyn was still in the picture— and once Caitlyn and everything happened, I think Kanye was the one that felt this responsibility to step in and be like, I am now, like, the father figure in this family, now that, like, the family had issues with Caitlyn after. Also, yeah, I guess that's, that's true. I'm just thinking, like, one could argue, well, Scott's been there all along, but he has a different role. I don't think anybody would consider him, like, the patriarch. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He's, Scott has, um, Scott Scott. He's one of the brothers. He's just Scott. Exactly. So, um, you know, Chloe is saying to Kim that she knows, she's like, I know you always have my best interest at heart. And that she's like, she's, you know, you've been through my side by, through all of this. And she, I guess she was having a moment where she's like, I don't blame you for what happened. Like, and I'm sorry for freaking out because she, she totally did freak out last, like last episode. And again, we knew that it wasn't all focus on Kim, but. And it, then Chloe says like. Tristan never should have had that conversation at the party in the first place. And it's such a, it just goes to show the lack of respect he continuously has for me. Exactly. And that's when Kim says, so does that mean that you want to do everything separate or still together? And Chloe says, she's like, I don't know what I want, but I think separate for at least a little while. Kim's kind of just reassuring her that it didn't ruin the party and that, you know, everything would be fine. But I thought that that point was so true that like, I was so happy that Chloe finally said it out loud. Like, this is fucking Tristan's fault for even mentioning this. I think what's happening with Chloe now is that all of those little red flags about Tristan that she ignored in the beginning are now impossible to ignore. So it's every little thing that he does, she can now pick up on. And she's right. It's not like she's overreacting. I just think these are things that Tristan probably would have done previously that wouldn't have bothered Chloe. And now in retrospect, she's like, this is it. This is the like blatant lack of disrespect he has for me. And also the lack of, nar- like when, when they were together, right? And before, when he was quote faithful or before any cheating scandal broke, quote. <laughs> he was obviously narcissistic as always, but he was simultaneously showering her with a lot of love and charming giving her a lot of attention. So much charm, so much charm. So now that the charm is lost, it's kind of like she sees everything right. very clearly and she's like, oh fuck. I almost feel, I, I didn't say this to you last night. I almost feel, you know, those memes that are like person I hate breathes. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? That's how I feel like Chloe's with Tristan. Which is so warranted. It's like, it's so impossible when you're trying so hard to not pick up on those little details because you almost are happier just ignoring them. And it's like, just like, let him like, and and you can't. They're like literally glaring you in the face and you're like, I can't ignore it anymore. It's so hard. That's how I feel about Tristan. I don't even know him. Yeah. He walks on the screen. I'm like, get the fuck off. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing here? Yeah. Like, showing up at your daughter's face FaceTiming your daughter fucking <laughs> acting like you want to be around here. Oh. I know. Okay, so moving on to the next scene, which I can't wait to get into that one. But moving on to the next scene, we're at Kim's doctor's appointment. If you guys remember last episode, um, she was concerned that she may have lupus or rheumatoid arthritis because the test came back positive. She goes, she gets an ultrasound of her hand. Rest assured, she does not have either of those things. It's psoriatic arthritis, which is, you know, obviously a result of her psoriasis. It comes and goes as the psoriasis comes and goes. And that was it. Nothing to be said here, except the point that I wanted to make was that Chloe was with her at this appointment, same with last appointment. And Julie made a good point, which is that they never seem to go to doctor's appointments alone, which when you're in a family that big, why should you, you know? I guess. But also, Chloe is the person that you want there. Like, yeah. you don't want Courtney with you at that when you're about to find out if you have— rheumatoid arthritis, for example. You want Chloe there. She's going to be so much more, like, visibly empathetic. Right. I think Chloe's always the person that you want by your side. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Chris, you would want. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't take take Kylie or Kendall to a doctor's appointment. No, but I would take Kim. 
if I was one of them. Would you take Kim or would you take Chloe? I would take Chloe. In a, in a hypothetical world where Chloe wasn't available, I would take Kim. Would you take Chloe or Chris? Interesting. I think I'd take Chloe. Such a fun game. What Kardashian would you take to the doctor? <laughs> it depends I on guess it depends what doctor. It, I was about to say if depends. I was going to the OBGYN, I would take Kim. Yeah. If or, I was going to something more serious, I would take Chloe. Mm-hmm. If I was going to something where I wanted somebody to like tell the doctor what I needed to convey and I didn't want to do it, then I would bring Courtney. Really? Yeah, She because she doesn't give a fuck. Like if I was like at a doctor's appointment, like obviously this wouldn't happen to me. I'm just hypothetically saying that. Like if I was at a doctor's appointment and I didn't like something the doctor was doing, but I didn't want, I would bring Courtney because Courtney would just say like, you're doing this. Like I don't oh, like what you're doing. I would, th- for, well, I would a thousand percent bring him. For that situation? I, well, I would just say it because you that's would, just how you I am. You should bring Courtney because you guys have very uh, similar mindsets, I feel like, in the whole holistic medicine ide- ideology. No, totally. But I think the reason— Well, for—sorry. <laughs> just let us engage in this hypothetical for literally one more minute, and then I swear we'll move on. But now that you asked— Okay, I would never have a problem saying something, so that wouldn't be an issue. But in a hypothetical event where no, I neither would— Neither would I. I'm just saying hypothetically. I know, but I'm just saying the reason I wouldn't bring Courtney is because I think that she, out of everyone, is the worst communicator. Like, I don't— I think she sometimes really has a hard time getting out what she wants to say, whereas I think Kim is so clear and concise. Okay, that's a good So that's point. probably why I would bring Kim. Moving on, now that you all know who's going to be with us at The Gynecologist. Um, scene three. So this is when Courtney, you know, obviously this episode really centers around her 40th. And she's saying that she still feels super uncomfortable and really kind of overwhelmed by her party. And she has a fittings for, you know, what she's going to wear. And Kim comes over to help her decide, which— this scene really set the stage for what was about to happen because this episode got wild. We saw some of the inner workings of the way that their fashion situations work, and it was juicy to say the least. Juicy. Right? Juicy as fuck. <laughs> yeah. So Danny Michelle is Courtney's stylist, and she brings over all this stuff, and you know, Kim's sitting in her room and, and Courtney's trying it on. And she comes out in all these dresses, some beautiful, some really miss the mark. And Kim is the wor- the way that I would describe Kim is thoroughly unimpressed. Yeah, but Kim also, the funniest thing is that every time Courtney walks out, she's like, ugly, hate it, disgusting. Kim did not look up from her phone once at Courtney. It's not like she looked at it, studied it, was like, mm, no. She literally, Kim stood there with her phone in her hand looking down at it and was like, Courtney would walk in, she heard the footsteps, she's like, no, ugly. But never looked up at her. It's so true. She's like, what are you, a fucking peacock? Yeah. <laughs> she, like, she, she was not having it. I mean, she truly couldn't have been. Yeah, like, there was no cushioning the blow here. There was no cushioning the blow. And she's saying, she's like, this is your 40th birthday. She says on on her confessional, she's like, my 40th birthday, I want to look the best I've ever looked. Like, Courtney needs to look better than she's ever looked. Like, these are just totally not cutting it. And you can tell Courtney's getting visibly uncomfortable. Yeah. Courtney's feeling kind of, I think, just like attacked and kind of like, get the fuck out. And also like uncomfortable that Danny's standing right there. All of these outfits that Danny picked out for Courtney and Kim's like, ugly, no, hate it. Disgusting. A theme that you're going to see throughout this episode is a real lack of tact with all the siblings and the way that they interact with their um, people working with them. Not people working directly with them, people working with their siblings. Yeah. Like, it's not like Kim was being rude to her stylist. She was being rude and, like, not caring about Courtney's and vice versa. Yeah. And, I mean, one could argue they weren't being rude. They were being honest. It wasn't like they were being mean. But— I don't know, maybe in my mind, I thought that there, would, there was a little more kind of like care about their feelings, but then I guess it's a job and that's what they're there for. I don't yeah. know. It depends how you want to look at it. Anyway, they move on to Kendall's house because the other major theme of this episode was Coachella, which I did not realize. No one fucking warned me. What? How, first of all, by the way, the thing that I have with these episodes is it's like, 
okay, I usually don't watch the previews because I feel like it takes away so much from the episode. Like, I would have loved to have been caught off guard by Kim calling Courtney a humanitarian, like a fake humanitarian hoe, but like, I just didn't get that luxury. Yeah. But in this case, with the Coachella, it's like, I wanted a warning. <laughs> what? That was the funniest thing. I just wasn't afforded that luxury. <laughs> but with Coachella, with Coachella, excuse me, speaking of the microphone, with Coachella, it's like, you can't just spring that on me. Right. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. I would have rather been warned that this was going to be a, co- like, warning. Like, well, sexual sexual things may arise. <laughs> well, no, the funniest thing is that you guys know when we watch these episodes, we pause it literally. Julie, no joke, pauses it every 45 seconds and it makes me go crazy, but I know it's for the greater good. And obviously our Patreons don't do that. So they're writing the group, oh shit, oh shit, Chan sighting. Julie, are you okay? And we're like, we haven't gotten there yet. Everyone breathe. And then we got there. Which It was a good thing they gave me a warning. Yeah, thank God. Okay, so we're at Candle's house and- Kendall's saying, like, just talking about how much everybody loves Sunday service and that everybody, you know, wants to come every weekend and how, like, Connie's doing Coachella Easter Sunday, I mean, Sunday service Easter Sunday at Coachella, and Kendall's saying, like, everybody is freaking out, and Kim's kind of saying, you know, we've been having so many meetings about it, like, it's really becoming a thing, and they show the video of Kanye announcing it to the choir on the plane and you see everybody go crazy. You see Kanye so excited. It was such a cool thing that we got to see. Really beautiful. It was. And then they're sitting there and and Kim's like, you know, like, do you think we should get a house in Palm Springs? And Kendall's like, why do we need 7 million houses in Palm Springs when we already have one? I was like, thanks, Kendall, the voice of reason over here. Kendall really is the voice of reason. It's it's a very underrated role she has. With with things like that. Yeah, she's always just like, no, we don't need that. We're like, yeah, you— you might. I mean, it's like you don't need it, but like, why not just get exactly, it? Exactly. Like, why not? Like, you could, like, I honestly think that like having a second Palm Springs home for them wouldn't be the craziest idea. You think that, but then once you see Chris's, you're like, nobody's could top this. I, I truly think that's my favorite house of, of anything I ever. I said that to you last night. That house is, we'll get into it in a little bit. Okay. I can't because I could talk about it for literally hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Moving on to the next scene, and keep in mind the growing tension between Kim and Courtney as it applies to fashion. So as you guys know, um, Euglaire dressed Kim for the Met Gala and the team is at her house and they're planning her after party look. And they have her fitted in this like very eccentric, which I'm sure you saw, Cher inspired blue outfit. And she FaceTimes Courtney to show her the after party. And she's joking like, yeah, I'm going to wear this to your 40th. And Courtney's on FaceTime. She's like, are you coming as Nicki Minaj? Like, I would say, is it October 31st? And Kim is so embarrassed because Mugler's team is there. And she's like, hangs up. And then she says to them, like, Courtney just doesn't get it. Which, like, in Courtney's defense, Kim didn't tell her that she was with the team. But this is what I was saying to you because because Courtney makes this point later in the episode. And what I was saying to you on the way here is that if you're Courtney and you know Kim is in a outfit like that, you have to assume that somebody's fitting her. She didn't just walk into her closet and put that on. I totally agree, but she could have said, like I say, every single time if I call someone on speakerphone, even if I know they're not going to say anything, I'm like, oh, I'm here with Julie and Isabel. Like, but I would never, like, even if you didn't say anything, I would never just like start talking shit about the person who was blowing out your hair. Right. Like I would just assume they were with you. I know, but Kim could have said like, I'm with you, Glare, seen what do you think? Yeah, she could have. I think, I think Kim was setting her up for failure. Yeah, I think so too. Anyway, so you know, Kim's saying to the team, like, I'm so sorry, she just doesn't get it. And this is what was so interesting. Mugler's manager, who was with her, says, it's kind of confusing that Courtney would make those comments because we just received an email from Danny Michelle, who's Courtney's stylist, asking the Mugler team to fit Courtney because, you know, they really love his vibe and they're all so 
kind of sitting there like, wait, why is Courtney talking shit when she's the one that wants to be dressed by us? The thing that's interesting about Danny talking to Mugler's team, and I understand why this was the point that really set the the scene for the whole argument, is that if you remember Kim at the Met Gala, it was a, a really big deal that Mugler did this because he hadn't, like, fitted somebody in years and years and years. So understandably, for somebody who hasn't done this for years and years and years— to fit him and take the time and do that. And it's such a special thing for Courtney's team to then email after it's been such a big deal. That's why Kim was so upset. It's not like she's just emailing Versace. It's like, could you also fit Courtney? Yeah. That would be normal. That would be any other day. I totally This is a special thing. And that's why they're so upset. And I feel like that fact of it was lost throughout the whole episode. No, that's a really good point. So... Then they're in Kim's closet still, and Danielle, not to be confused with Danny, who is Kim's stylist, is telling Kim that the Rick Owens white dress, it was like a kind of like a two-piece white dress that Kim wore to the CFDAs, custom-made, and it was made into something that like was kind of sold in stores. So Danielle goes to the Rick Owens stores to pick one up, and they're not there, and they told her that Courtney's stylist, Danny, had already come in and taken it for her. And Kim looks like you just told her, I mean— she was, you could see the fucking fire in her eyes. Right. She was like, are you fucking kidding me? Which I think this is one of those things where Kim would have been annoyed at, but because this happened on top of the email and Mugler's team, that this was like, no. It was just so exacerbated because of that. Exactly. So Kim's saying like, why would she want the same look as me? She knew that this piece was made for me for the CFDAs. And she Kim was kind of just like, dumbfounded. Yeah. As if like, in what world is she doing this? And listen, I recognize why while we're talking about this, that these are the most first world problems in the entire world, like fighting over the fact that Mugler may potentially, or Rick Owens, like do something for your sister. I get it. But in the scheme of things, this is what we're talking about. So these are their problems and we're going to talk about them. But a little perspective is obviously required that whatever. Yeah, yeah. The perspective, whatever. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> Keep in mind. Okay. So now we're moving on to Courtney's house. And they're still trying to find an outfit for her 40th. So Chloe wants to FaceTime Kim to show her this like pink outfit that Courtney's wearing. Courtney thinks it's a little too like Romy and Michelle. And Courtney's like, I don't know, I don't really trust Kim. So they FaceTime Kim and Chloe says to Kim, she's like, honestly, Courtney wants me to FaceTime Kendall because she doesn't really trust you and I. And Kim goes, well, if she doesn't trust you and I, then why does she keep picking out all the same clothes? And Courtney gets so pissed. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never dressed like you. And Courtney then starts to say something about Danielle, who's Kim's stylist. And Chloe mouths to her, like, Danielle's right there, which seems to be a trend, clearly. And Courtney's like, I don't care if Danielle's there. Hi, Danielle. And I was just like, get me out of here. Well, because what the issue now is that the Dannys are fighting. Because Danny 1 emailed Danny 2 and was like, you're copying my looks. Because now it's personal between them. It's not even about the siblings anymore. This is their job. Which the craziest thing, and me and Isabel were talking about this. It's like, you know, we when we saw Courtney show up to to the to her party on Instagram, we just assumed they picked out that dress and there you go. We never could have imagined the behind the scenes drama that ensued, and it wasn't even like they were using my stylist, your stylist. They were using names. These are like very people that we stalk on Instagram on the daily. They were showing them. It was like the Dannys, the Dannys. <laughs> I mean, it was it was crazy. So Kim is saying that she's like. Courtney doesn't understand the legwork that goes into building relationships with these designers. And for Courtney to kind of jump in and try to work with Mugler as well, she just doesn't, she doesn't get it. And I think that that was a point that Kim was trying to convey, which is like, it's not so much about what? No, you keep going. It's not so much about, you know, just the fact that you want to work with the same designer. It's like, you don't understand how long it took for me to cultivate these relationships. And then for you to just, you you know, jump off of that is really 
upsetting. In terms of you saying before that you think Kim is a good communicator, she did not communicate this point well. Because had she, this fight would have been over in one minute. A thousand percent. Had she just said, listen, it's not about the looks. It's not about the clothes. It's about the fact that I'm building these relationships and I feel that you doing this is is hindering them. It would have been over. A thousand, thousand percent. Although I will say that to me, this was a rarity because I, I tend to find her... A very she is a good communicator, but I don't think she communicates well with the siblings often. I think they often, especially Kim, really let emotion get in the way and really just like when they're mad, there's no there's no like holding them back. There's no filter on what they say. They just dig as deep as they can. And because I think one of the things that happens with them is that because there's the safeguard of being siblings where it's like, no matter what I say to you, it's never going to go so far that it ends so a relationship true. that they can just say whatever they want and there's no holding back. It's so true. And someone, um, someone, I was talking to one of our followers about this and they were saying like, I know you guys are kind of like Kim apologists, but I thought she was really mean to Courtney in this episode. And, and you know, again, they're siblings, whatever, it's how they operate. But I kind of felt the same way and, and we'll get more into it, but I just felt like this was such a fragile time for Courtney. And I totally understood Kim's frustrations a thousand percent. But I don't know, I found myself feeling bad for Courtney, which isn't a position that I normally find myself in. Well, I think Kim was just being really insensitive. And I think that it's, you know, I think Courtney sometimes needs to check herself also because if the situations were reversed, Courtney would have ex- acted the exact same way Kim would. Have. And you said that to me last night and you're totally, totally right. It doesn't mean, it doesn't make Kim right. It just, the, the two of them, the way they fight is very similar. It's true. I, I think also what really jumped out to me, especially at this point and throughout the whole episode was like, you know, they're all so famous. They're also the Kardashians, but there's only one Kim Kardashian. Like even Kylie Jenner, there's only one Kim Kardashian. And Kim is admittedly very vain. That's fine. I mean, first of all, she is just by being a Libra, but second of all, by by being who she is. And I think that her, I want to, I don't know how to say this, it's kind of like, her knowing that she is Kim and that like, first of all, she's the one that's invited to the Met Gala. Courtney's not even invited. Kind of like came out for a second. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, how does it not though? The thing about Kim is that in terms of style and respect in that community, she's leaps and bounds above the other siblings. And, you know, I don't think Courtney and Chloe are even trying to be at that level. They know it's just not what they were. And it's something that Kim really worked hard her whole life for. And I think that there's a combination of being Kim Kardashian going to her head, which of course, how could it not? It, it normally does. But also I think Kim has this moment of like, this is my lane. Like we all have the show. We're all a family. We're all the Kardashians. But in terms of fashion and high fashion and these types of events, this is my lane. And I don't want anybody coming into my lane. A, a thousand percent. And also, especially because of the way she started out at the Met Gala. Like being right. Kanye's embarrassing, you know, plus one to then being the star. Right. So yeah, totally. It was kind of like her own journey that she was like, listen, don't fuck around with this one. Right. Yeah. Anyway, so. And at the same time, you could say that Courtney was being really insensitive to that. You could. I guess to me, though, Courtney's emotions about her birthday trump Kim's feelings about being a fashion icon, if I had to choose. But I, I, yes, I hear both sides. Not in terms of emotion, just in terms of like, this is a really big moment for Kim. And Courtney wasn't acknowledging that the same way that Kim wasn't acknowledging the fact that she was having a lot of anxiety about her birthday. But as we're about to get into, you know, I think there was more stuff going on behind the scenes with the stylist than Courtney even knew about. I forget about the Dannys. I know. So Courtney's saying, she's like, I didn't even know that Danny sent an email to Mugler until today. And Danny said to her, she's like, the only reason that I did it is, is because, you know, Kim and Courtney have such different styles. So it's not like if they wear even the same designer, they're going to wear it in totally different ways. Like Courtney was saying she wears Rick Owens men's stuff. It's not at all similar. And so they can work with the same designer. So 
Courtney's, you know, telling, saying to Kim, like, she should have just asked her about it because Danny always pulls random things for her. And then Courtney will either say yes or no. And she didn't like that it was kind of sprung on her because she felt like she was being villainized for something that she wasn't even fully aware of. Is that a good way to say yes. it? Yes. So, quote, she says, Kim and I have completely different styles, so even if we wear the same designer, we wear it in a completely different way. The store may send me clothes that are more Kim style, and I'll send them back. She then calls Kendall. She goes, let's call Kendall, whose style, whose style I actually care about. <sighs> dramatic Drama. ending. Yeah, I love a good dramatic scene change. I have to say, though, this the first thing I was thinking is like, it's so true. Courtney and Kendall definitely have the most similar style out of anyone. Yes. For sure. Because the, the thing about them is that they— Okay, this is how I want to say it. Think about Chris's 60th party. Mm-hmm. And Courtney wore that suit, the tux. Yes. And she looked sick. Yeah, yeah. But like on a very superficial level, that wouldn't be considered, quote, sexy. She looked so sexy and she pulled it off, but that's not like a sex appeal thing. No, no. Kim, you'll never find Kim in a situation like that. Like there's never an aspect of her that doesn't have some sort of sex appeal. And I feel like Courtney and Kendall are okay with their fashion choices, not conveying sex appeal always. Yes. You know what I mean? I think you're correct. So. That's a really, yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Okay, this has completely changed the way that I whiten my teeth, and I am so excited to tell you guys about it. So ARC is a new way to achieve professional level teeth whitening at home for just 30 minutes a day. So basically, this is how it works. Each ARC treatment includes dentist-approved enamel-safe whitening strips that adhere to your upper and lower teeth, and also ARC blue light technology. So there's this like blue light mouthpiece, and it arcs around your entire smile, and it delivers like these targeted blue light energy to help weaken set and stains below the enamel surface. It makes your treatment way more effective than just strips alone. It can help you reveal a smile that's 50 times whiter than a leading whitening toothpaste, and they offer satisfaction guaranteed. It's so easy, it's so simple, and it genuinely works. And to help our listeners get a whiter, brighter smile, ARC is offering $15 off your purchase of a blue light kit when you visit arcsmile.com and use promo code CBC at checkout. Go to arcsmile.com and use promo code CBC for $15 off your blue light whitening kit. That's arcsmile.com, promo code CBC. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. So let's move on now and move on to Chloe's rental house. So she's there with Malika and she's you know telling Malika that, that Kim and Kanye both felt really bad about what happened and she was kind of like reassuring them and making them feel better that it wasn't their fault. And- I think what was happening, and tell me if you agree with this, was that Chloe was almost confused at her own reaction. She was like, it was very off-brand of me to be so, 
like crying. She's like, I don't cry and I don't cry in public. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. I so get that. I so understand reacting in the moment and then looking back on it and being like, I don't, I don't even understand why I reacted like that. Especially when you put the situation in perspective and you're like, I freaked out at Kim, who it wasn't her fault. And then I stormed off crying for something that I shouldn't have been crying about. And then you're almost embarrassed at yourself that you reacted. She told, she was very, like, that's exactly what was happening. And Malika says, quote, would you ever think that your daughter's first birthday party would end with you in tears? I'm sorry you have that memory, but everything was beautiful and you did a great job and your daughter was really happy. And when you look back on the pictures, you won't think about that. And again, Malika, thanks for pouring salt in the water. Yeah, like, <laughs> I understand where she was going and she really deemed, redeemed herself with the second half of that sentence, but what? The first part was unnecessary. Like, no, obviously she didn't think she would be in tears at her daughter's first birthday. And she says, uh, Chloe says in her confessional, which this is where she looked so fucking pretty. Yeah, really gorgeous. She was like, I never thought that for True's first birthday, I would throw it with Tristan being a guest at it. I always thought it would be a party that mommy and daddy threw together. That one hurt. That line hit. Although based on the way True was born, you probably had to assume that he would be a guest at at least one or two birthday parties. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they're just talking and then Chloe's just saying, I guess she's really still sensitive. And I thought um, Malika pulled to you actually made a really good analogy and said that it's like an earthquake and that her body hasn't stopped with the aftershocks. Right? I love, I love that that's falling on me. Yeah, it is. That was a really good point. And she's saying, you know, Chloe's just talking about this idea. She's like, you know, she's going to have to learn to coexist and to co-parent and— she wants True to be able to create as many new memories with Tristan as possible, but that it's it's hard. Like, she was being really fucking honest about the fact that this is not easy. And as much as she loves her kid and would do anything for her kid, having to constantly be with him in these settings is just not pleasant. Right. Which, like, it, it's not pleasant Duh. for us. So I can only imagine what it's like for her, quite frankly. Yeah, it makes my skin crawl having to see him. I can't even imagine. I, I know. I can't. Okay. We're moving on to a next scene. This was— Pretty fucking dramatic. Oh, I loved this yeah. part. Yeah, this was good. So we're now with Courtney in the car, and she's on the phone with her friend Sarah Howard. And they're on their way to this event to honor Robert Kardashian for this um, center at UCLA for esophageal cancer. And Courtney's telling Howard, I mean Sarah, about the fight that her and Kim got into. And she's like, S Kim is sending me the longest texts, and <laughs> Courtney is saying to Kim, like, you're a petty woman, and petty woman, and Kim says, quote, are you kidding? I had to intervene when your stylist pulled the ugliest looks for you for your party. And Chloe gets in the car, and she's like, oh, shit. She's like, oh, good, you're still fighting. So it does this thing, which we love when it does, where it flashes to a split screen. I was trying screen. to remember, when was the last time we did this that we loved this? And we're like, and back to Chloe, and back to Chris, and back to Chloe. Was it last episode, or was it Jordan Gate? <sighs> Maybe Jordan Gate. It wasn't last episode. I think it was Jordan Gate. Oh, oh, I remember. I think it was when they were in the car. No, I don't remember. I'll have to look back about that line. But anyway, it was like three separate that. panels. And there it's Kim talking to Chris, saying how Courtney's such a bitch and that she, you know, wants to copy Kim and she has the lamest style. We then flash back to Courtney and Chloe, and I'm quoting Courtney now. She says, I said to her, You're going to school to become a lawyer and change the world, and these are the types of problems you have. And Kim goes, You're really a miserable human being, and you're not understanding the issue because you all of a sudden turn into such a humanitarian and care about the world's issues, and you haven't contributed one ounce to the world. So Kim is now saying to Chris, You fucking fake humanitarian hoe. I, <laughs> Jesus, I actually do shit for the world, and you fucking fake it all day long, and you're like, Oh, there's people dying, Kim, and what the fuck are you doing about it? Obviously, that was a reference to the diamond earring. I love when they quote their own past iconic lines. Like, I can never bring up something that I thought was like a, a, a specifically iconic line that somebody said to me in a fight 10 years ago. Nobody they would never remember exactly, it. Exactly, nobody would remember. And 
this is when Kim finally says, it's not about you having your own style. It's about you infiltrating on my relationships. That is the line that she needed to hit like years ago. And again, even when Kim's saying that, she's saying it to Chris about Courtney. She's not even saying it to Courtney. Courtney. And Chris is kind of like, do you just think this is because she's turning 40? Which like, that's what I was trying to tell Kim this whole time. But Kim wasn't listening to you because it was a TV show and she couldn't hear you through the TV and also it had already happened six months ago. So annoying. <laughs> it's really, I understand. It's frustrating as fuck. It's like when I was trying to talk to Chance through the TV, I was like, listen, listen. And he was not, he was not listening. <laughs> so we're back in the car with Chloe and Courtney. And Courtney's just having a lot of anxiety. And something that made me really sad, I don't even know if I said this to you, but they're on their way to this event to honor their dad, obviously, you know, their deceased father. And this is what they're fighting about. Like, I was just like so sad for them. Not, yeah. not from like a judgmental perspective. You don't know when this oh, no, stuff's no, going to no. happen. It's just like, it was just like bad timing. So Courtney says, I don't take it personally, and I know it's not something I'm doing. It's just hurtful. And she's like, it's not just that. I feel overwhelmed with my birthday and everything. And she says in her confessional, she's like, I just really don't feel like myself right now. And at this point, I don't feel like celebrating my birthday. I hate being the center of attention. I can't stop crying. And at this point, I don't want to be around anybody. I don't know. My heart went out to her this episode. You, your heart goes out to anybody who, like, shows emotion. No, but— Like, if Kim started crying and was really upset, I think that you would also be like, I really—my heart really went out to Kim as well. Maybe, but— It's because Kim wasn't the one that was affected by this, and there were so much other things going on behind the scenes with Courtney. And then I think you're the type of person who will always be like, okay, what else is going on? When Kim's fighting about something that has nothing to do with Courtney's birthday and it was just about style— Kim's not actively thinking, like, you know, she's going through a really hard time right yeah, now. Yeah, that's what it was. And I think I was also totally caught off guard by the fact that I don't, like, I know a lot of people are like, Courtney's my ride or die. Courtney's not mine. Like, she never, I like, obviously like her, but she's not my go-to. She's not at the top of my list. And I felt for her, like, more than I ever have. That's why I think. I understand that. You know? I really like Courtney. I do, too. I just don't feel— I don't think she's as, I don't think she's as, um— what's the word I'm looking for? Not unemotional. I think she's not as cold as the family makes her out to be. I think a lot of time they put her in a position where they're like, Courtney's so cold. Courtney's like this ice queen. And I don't think she is. Yeah. And you can tell that she's not with the way she is with her kids. Oh no. Well, that's different. Most people aren't like that with their kids. But I mean, I'm, I'm saying that the way that she is as a mother is at least indicative of the fact that she has those qualities in her if you were someone who thought that she didn't. I think that Courtney just shows her like affection way of doing things in a very different way that they don't comprehend. Whereas like Chloe is very affectionate. Kim is very just like straightforward to the point. Like we'll talk anything through. And I think that Courtney does things that's like her own Courtney way of doing things that like mean the same thing as what they would be saying. It's just because we're, we expect it to be in a certain way. We, we expect it to be in like an overly emotional, mushy way. But when she does it, we don't like respond as well to it, I think. No, it's so true. Okay, tell us about the next scene. Please hold. <laughs> oh, so they walk into the event, and obviously, like, Courtney's in the car. You know, when you do that classic thing where you're crying, you like, go in last because you're waiting to, like, fix yourself in the car and calm down. So Chloe goes in first, and she says to everyone, and she's like, listen, Courtney was just in the car hysterically crying. Like, please, just no fighting. Like, we're here for dad. Like, we're here to honor him. Like, just this is not the time. And everyone kind of gets it. Kim's like, you know what? I understand. And— you know, they say like a, a short speech about Robert at the UCLA center. They're there for the esophageal center that's opening up. And, you know, they they say a short speech. And I don't know if you noticed this, that like Chris was really crying. Like the other ones were like really like honored to be there and happy, but Chris was was really crying. And um, they go up to cut the ribbon and Kim kind of gives this like gesture of goodwill where she hands 
Courtney, like the giant says, and was like, here, Courtney, like you should cut it. It goes best with your outfit, which is such a Kim thing to do instead of being like, Courtney, do you want to cut it? It's like, it's like she just picked like a really small thing that was like a, a superficial way of extending an olive branch without having to actually be nice about yeah, it. It's so it was like, oh, this goes with your outfit. And that's why I'm doing it. They were it. scissors. Like they it were scissors. It literally went with everyone's outfit. Yeah, like, they, were, <laughs> they were navy blue scissors. And which by the way, so nice. Typically they're red. I bet yeah, the, red's I bet, tacky. I bet that Kanye was like, no. No. Red, red, giant red scissors are very tacky. Exactly. It's kind of like an, an opening of a burger place. Like Jonathan Chabon yeah. would have red scissors at his burger place. Oh my God. Jonathan Chabon probably only has red scissors at his house. True. Anyway, so they are all up there and they're taking the picture. And everyone's silent. Like the whole room is silent while they're up there. And, and Chloe's such a room worker. She's like, you guys are so quiet. Like it's so uncomfortable. Why don't you guys like speak? Like you're such a good audience. And she says, um, like, oh, this is the best paid room ever. You guys are so obedient. It's so cute. And Kim just like couldn't resist it. And she's like, if only Courtney could be like this. <laughs> and I never related to Kim more in that moment where it's like, it would have been so easy for you to just not say anything. Like there was no reason there. And she couldn't, it wasn't even that funny. She just couldn't resist. She couldn't help herself. She couldn't resist getting a jab in. I, I just like related to that so hard. Yeah, that's a very you thing. It would have been like, and I, and I understand it watching where I'm like, it just would have been so easy to not say something. Yeah. That's like, that's like Julie. If we're like doing it, either on the podcast or in real life, it's like the smallest little detail. She, it's not a jab, but she has to explain why she was right. Like, or why, doesn't she always do that as well? Are you kidding? Like, it, it's, but it's not the same thing. No, it's not the same thing, but it's like, it would be so easy to just not. Like, yeah, you know it what would. I, mean? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it would. It would be, it would be so easy to not do a lot of things though. Okay. It would be so easy to not mention everything Kim does and say she's a Libra, but we all do our things. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all do. Yeah, Emma does this to me like when we're like doing nothing. Like we'll be in the apartment, it's dead silent. She's like, you know, Kim is just such a Libra. I'm like, I, I don't, I, I, first of all, like you say that to me and it means nothing. It's like me saying to you like, blah, 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 like Spanish. Like it obviously is not resonating with you. You're like, such a Libra. I'm like, ah, oh, such a Libra. I can never get over it. I think about it every day also. I just relate to her because she does things that I'm like, that is so the way I I would have handled it. Not this episode, but in a lot of ways. Okay. You would have never handled this shit like this. No, none of us would have. It, it, well, what? it's interesting because it's different when it's a sibling. And then sometimes I have to remember you're an only child. I'm an only, yeah. Whereas I like if I was doing my siblings, exactly how I would be dealt with. Right. I can't say what I would do. I don't have siblings. I just, from an outsider, I just, no, because the one difference is that I would have, I think I would have handled it differently with the stylists. Yes, that would have been different. Again, who the fuck are we to say? Like, these are their relationships. I have no idea, but in my... I would have been nicer to the Dannys 100%. Yeah. The Dannys are ride or dies. <laughs> so Haverdash is the newest online wear and return rental subscription service for everyday clothing. Basically, their belief is that they're the clothes you have, which are kind of like the staples of your wardrobe to invest in and to own. And then they're the clothes that add a dash of color, print, fashion, or trend to your wardrobe. So those are the pieces that you rent. And you get to rock them once and send them back as often as you want per month for a flat monthly fee of $59. It's kind of like you can experiment and have fun with all these new trends or everything you always wanted to wear but never did. So how it works is you fill your virtual closet with everything you want to wear, from things you know that'll work to things you're not, you know, not normally buying and kind of shy away from. Because remember, you can wear it once and return your next for the next new item. You get three items shipped at a time. You can enjoy wearing your items. You wear things once or as often as you want. You send back all three items to get your next shipment of three items. And remember, you can swap out your items for new ones as often as you want per month. Let's say you fall in love with something. No problem. You get to buy it for a discounted price. All of this stuff for $59 a month, which makes Haverdash the most affordable subscription wear and return rental service. So head over to haverdash.com and sign up today. There are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. 
<laughs> okay, we're now at Kim's house, and Chloe. So Chloe and Kim are in their joint confessional, and Chloe's saying how she understands why Kim is annoyed with Courtney, but she's like. I'm planning her birthday. Like, I get it. She hasn't been the easiest to deal with, but she's going through some kind of emotional distress. So, like, please just be nice. Do you think Chloe actually understood or she was just saying it to Kim? Because this seems like something to me that Chloe would be like, Kim's being so ridiculous right now. And instead, Chloe was really like, I I completely understand where you're coming from, which she didn't need to say to Kim. Like, all she needed to say was like, please just be nice. I understand that you're angry. Um, I think she understood both sides. Do you not? I don't know. I felt like, you know— there's been a dynamic shift, I think. Not that Chloe and Courtney aren't as close as they used to be, but like, yes. When Kim used to do this, it used to be that Chloe and Courtney always thought she was just being the most ridiculous thing in the entire world. That like, it was like, it was the Kim show always and they couldn't understand it. Like, it's the same, you know, similar situation with the whole Bentley thing that happened where like, Kim was really trying to be nice to the guy who was doing the Bentley thing and it was like, in terms of relationship building and all of these things. And Courtney and Chloe were very like, you have to have your siblings back. This It doesn't matter who you're building relationships with. And I think Chloe used to get really annoyed at Kim for doing that. And now it's kind of this dynamic shift where Chloe, where Kim's essentially doing the same thing, but Chloe's being more understanding to the Kim side of it, where she never used to be. That's an amazing, that was an amazing point. Thank you. No, that's so smart. But you want to know what I think it is? I think that it stems from one of the potential reasons is at that time, Kim, that behavior wasn't warranted. I get that you were buying your first Bentley and it was a big deal, but you were not who you are now. And not that that should change, but I think that Chloe on a certain level can understand the fact of like where Kim has gone to in the fashion industry and like how she's well, worked also, her way Chloe up. Chloe wasn't where she was now. Right. But I'm just saying that I think, it, I think it comes more from a dynamic shift of the siblings where it's not so much Courtney and Chloe always ganging up on Kim. And that's probably why Chloe's able, like the Chloe and Kim have clearly gotten a lot closer over the years. No, but- Th- it's two things. I'm saying I agree with that point in conjunction with the fact that I think for so long I was like, oh, Kim's just being Kim. Right. And now she has like a leg to stand on in the fact of like, wait, this is a huge fucking deal that Mugler comes basically out of retirement. I know not out of retirement. You know what I mean? Right. To make this dress for you. Like I can understand from like a very fashion perspective, like in the eyes of Anna Wintour, why that would be fucked up. Right. Not just like you're being so self-centered and like a narcissistic bitch who's totally. like better Bentley. Totally. So they're now giving Corny some of her gifts and I don't know, Tell me if I'm missing something here. Chloe gave her an Isabel. Please tell me if I am. Didn't Chloe give her this like giant black Mickey head purse thing? But think, was it something that was like significant or it was just a Mickey head purse? With the exception of the obviously reason we know that Courtney loves Disney. I don't know who makes it, but I think it just like was supposed to be like an art. It was supposed to be like an art. Like, I don't think she'll wear it. Right. It was, it was just supposed to be like an art like piece. Cool, sentimental. Like they're at the point where it's like, what the fuck do you get each other? Yeah. Like a Takashi type thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, put in her closet. Yeah, like an Elmo with X's on that. It's like very, t- yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I I don't know. Anyway, that happens. And then Chris gives Courtney her gift. She's like, I got this for you at the same time that I got your Christmas gift, which is what for Christmas she got her that it's a small world statues. And they, she opens this big cardboard box and Chris is telling the confessional that, if you guys remember from our Chris I deep dive. On the Mickey bag. Oh, how'd you get an update, update so Mi- quickly? I'm back on the on the Mickey bag, so... It's $4,500. It's Gucci. Celebrates their 90th birthday of Disney's beloved character with the cheeky interpretation of the tote bag 3D printed in Italy, blah, blah, blah. So okay. it was like a limited edition Gucci situation. That makes more sense. Listen, when you have everything, you've got to be desperate. For sure. Thank you for that, our little Gucci correspondent. <laughs> Who needs a researcher? Can <laughs> that be my new title, Gucci correspondent? Yes. So Chris is telling the confessional that, you know, growing up, Courtney loved 
going to Disney World. It was like their thing. And if you guys remember in our deep, our Chris deep dive, she was talking about, you know, when she was first married to Rob, like that was a thing that they did. They took Courtney all the time. And there was always these, these tin um, signs when they would park and they were different characters. So there was like a Cinderella one, a Tinkerbell one. And that would be how they knew where they parked. So they'd be like, oh, like we can't forget, like we parked by Tinkerbell or like a couple more blocks. So we get to the Cinderella, whatever. And she got them for Courtney. And Courtney was so emotional. Like it was such raw emotion. I think it probably brought her back to her childhood, was such a sentimental gift, was so like, when someone does something like like that for you that you know is really like, they really had to try. Like Kim, Chris had to go out of her way to get these. Julie, Julie looks at me, she's like, so what, she just went to Disney and was like, sorry, you can't have these anymore for well, Courtney. Well, my question is, there, there's, there's, two, there's two options here. It's either like Disney redid a bunch of stuff and they put some things in a vault and then you were able to bid on them or buy them for a very select audience. Or another honestly likely option is that Chris walked into Disneyland and went, yeah, I'll take that statue from It's a Small World and all of the parking signs. <laughs> she you can't just do that. It's not illogical that she would have done that and Disney would have been like, okay, we'll just buy new ones. No, I know people are listening are going to be like, well, actually, the Disney are, whatever, but like, just humor us for a second. That would totally, like, could, don't you think that that's not that far off? That Chris would like roll up in like her black SUV, take off her sunglasses and be like, I'll take those three, yeah. Yeah, thanks. just Tinkerbell, uh, the Dalmatian one, and uh, yeah, throw those two chip chipmunks in. Yeah, just over to Calabasas. Like, no, no, not even for a second would that surprise me if yeah, that was the case. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, anyway, and, and you know, it was just really emotional. Chris is saying that she can't believe that her firstborn is 40. And I just thought the whole thing was really nice. I'd, yeah, I'd feel old as fuck if my firstborn was 40. But how young is she? Like, in theory, she has that's yeah. so many grandchildren. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. Caitlyn Jenner, by the way, totally off off topic. Um, it was Alec Baldwin Rose last night, which we watched some of it. And she was saying Hilarious. She's, Fucking hilarious. You got to watch it. But she was saying how she's soon to have 20 grandchildren. And I was like, holy fuck. You're literally 70. That roast was so funny. That roast was, wait, you guys have to, Nikki Glazer's part when she's talking about Blake Griffin, which I guess is kind of related. Actually, they talked a lot about Ken. Oh my God, you have to watch. It was so funny. She's like, I'm also uh, sitting, she's like, and that's what I'm going to do when I get back to the hotel room. Just like after sitting next to Blake Griffin all night. She's, she's like, like, you're so hot. I'd fuck you in front of my grandparents. She's like, I almost want to. She's like, I feel like Mimi would be so proud. And then the funniest part of the whole thing, sorry for getting so off topic here, is that Alec Baldwin is sitting like, it's Alec Baldwin, <laughs> somebody so else, funny. and then Caitlyn Jenner on the other side. And they're making all of these jokes about Blake Griffin dating Kendall. And at one point, Alec turns to Caitlyn and goes, he really dated your daughter? Like, he had no idea. It was so funny. It's, Kendall's like, I mean, quick. <laughs> Caitlyn's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really did. It was so, they were talking about, um, oh my God, it was so funny. You have to, you have to, have to, they have to really watch. went over, went after Caitlyn's parenting there. Oh my God, Blake was like, on behalf of the entire NBA and half of the rappers- on the billboard charts. Yeah, yeah, we just wanted to thank you for giving your daughters their daddy issues. And Caitlin was dying. I mean, Caitlin handled it like a champ. Yeah, she was a good sport. She yeah. was a really good sport. No, she really was. It was it was funny. A lot. Of, we didn't finish the whole thing, but a lot of the parts we saw were really funny. Oh my God, when Alex's daughter comes out, Ireland. Oh, we got to get back on track, Emmy. <laughs> Sorry, it was so good. Okay, we're back at Chloe's rental house. <laughs> Julie writes- Emma would like me to make note of Khadija's camo sweatshirt. I fucking loved it. Champion camo, amazing. Yeah. I love Stylish, it. Stylish, streetwear. Love it. Beautiful, gorgeous, ordering it. <laughs> that was an inside joke, by the way, as well talks. So they're playing with True. True has this like little kitchen. And I thought this part was so sad. True hands Chloe the phone and she's like, Dada, meaning like she wants Chloe to FaceTime Tristan. But 
that's in the way that I interpreted that interpreted that is that that's how true views seeing Tristan. That's what I was just about to phone. say. Yeah, like it's not like I, like she she knows that the way that she communicates with her dad is through the phone. Exactly. It's for example, Chicago wouldn't be doing that because right. her primary mode of communicating with Kanye isn't via FaceTime. Yeah, it's in person. It's in person. But with true, it's it's. I mean, think about it. The 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 months in which true like is starting to develop like an understanding of the world and and speech and all of these things is the two months in from you know the first birthday and the cheating scandals there's two months in between it was February to April right so in those two months we know for a fact that Tristan didn't see true in person so during those really formative years like formative months of being a baby she knows her dad only through FaceTime exactly it's not I mean she's not wrong for doing that it was just like Oh shit! I I, thought, I, felt like I mean, Chloe- it's also definitely a reflection of having a parent in the NBA as well. I'm sure when LeBron's kids were little, there was like they would hand their mom the phone and probably say "Dada," but like this is different. Well, just knowing the backstory, obviously, it's different. So True's so Chloe's like, okay, we'll Facetime him, and True starts to walk away. <laughs> Chloe's like, True, every time I do this, you walk away, and it's embarrassing to me. <laughs> that was really funny. It was. It was like True wanted to Facetime him and then just walked away. She's listen. She's literally two, but or one, but it was um. I don't know. It was un- it was uncomfortable, right? Yeah, and Malik and Khadija are sitting there, and they're like, "Holy fuck, this is so uncomfortable." Yeah, and and Chloe's saying, you know, in her confessional, she's like, "I come from a family of really good co-parenters." Like she's talking about Courtney and Scott, and and you know, Chris and her dad, and I just I felt like I don't know. I felt like she had a moment of feeling like shamed. Yeah, like she was doing something like, wrong. Like she's like, "I can't get it right." Like everyone else has, and then she says, "Like, but it took them time." And this is still really fresh. Yeah, and she thinks, I mean, her outlook on it isn't, I think it'd be really easy, and a lot of parents do this thing where when they get divorced, it's like, okay, it's going to be separate from now on, and that's just how it'd be, and I have no intention of making that right, especially when you're, like, so hurt by the other person like this, where it's so easy to just be like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, co- we'll, we'll, I'll send them to your house, you send them back, and, and that's the communication that we'll have. And I know, actually know a lot of parents that do that, and I think because she had such an example of co-parenting that it's not an option for Chloe. Like, Chloe doesn't think it's an option to just be able to do that, whereas it kind of is, honestly. It is, except for because of the family she comes from, that really is an well, option. Well, yeah, that's so, what I'm saying, yeah. Right, so it's like, yeah, you know, that's such a good point. It's kind of like she's feeling ashamed for doing the norm. Right. But it's just not the Think Kardashian. about how many divorced parents you know. I never, like, I have so many friends with divorced parents and I never, ever, like, I've gone to two birthday parties. I've got, like, I never see them really interacting like that or co-parenting like that. And a lot of those are civil divorces. Whereas, right. it, imagine, like, literally one of our friends. The the dad cheats on the mom in this way. When the mom's, whatever. You think that that dad is coming to every birthday party? I'm never. Not, saying, not saying it's impossible, but if, if, if he wasn't allowed, nobody would question it. No one would think that the mom was being a villain or, or you know, depriving their kid. People would totally understand it, but because of her upbringing. Let alone Chris and Robert, who ended up making it work so well with co-parenting that Robert was at all of Chris's kids', kids. birthdays with somebody else. The, that Rob, that Kendall and Kylie, okay, this is, this is what it is. This is what it is right now. No, Chloe is having to keep up with the fact that the example she has to set is Kendall and Kylie calling Robert Uncle Robert. Right. Like, and that's a hard thing. That's it's a hard. And, it's, and the thing is about that is that she doesn't even have a way of justifying it and saying that's so different because Chris cheated on Robert. Exactly. Such a, I love when these like analysis has come. Yeah, it's so true. Do you want a good trivia fact while we're on Malika and Khadija? Yeah. What movie were Malika and Khadija in together? I obviously have no idea. Do you remember Sky High? 
No. They were the two cheerleaders in Sky High. No fucking way. Swear to God. That is an unbelievable fact. Wow. We are very excited to share that a friend of the podcast, Sophia Bush, is launching her own show called Work in Progress. So on the podcast, you'll hear frank, funny, personal, professional, and sometimes even political conversations with people who inspire Sophia about how they've gotten to where they are and where they think they're still going. So take a listen. How do you even begin to determine that codependency is a thing in your life? And for you, as you said, it was this condition where you couldn't tolerate not being liked. You couldn't yeah. tolerate having low self-esteem. And so you'd focus on the needs of other people yep. so that you didn't have to focus on your own stuff. Yep. That's, I mean, that's a really big crux of it. And a, something interesting that you said that I always want to delineate is I think a lot of people look at me and they go, she doesn't have low self-esteem. There's a difference between low self-esteem and confidence. And there's a difference between low self-esteem and like charisma or charm. And yes. oftentimes the loudest, most gregarious, most outgoing people have the lowest self-esteem because they're trying to overcompensate for something that they think that they're lacking. Sophia Bush, work in progress. So we're at Kim's house now. <laughs> Julie's brushing off her shoulders. <laughs> I did it first. <laughs> okay, we're at Kim's house now and Kim's in her closet FaceTiming Chloe. And this was a nice little turn of events. So she sees this Versace dress and she's like, quote, yeah, there's just like Versace dress that Donatella just sent over. <laughs> Yeah, casually, casual. as one does. And she's like, I really think that this is what Courtney should wear for her birthday. Like, I think it would look so much better on her. And she sees how sentimental Courtney is from the gift that Chris gave her. And she really sees that Courtney's going through it. And, and, you know, she's upset with her, but it's not the time. So she wants Courtney to look amazing. And she decides to FaceTime her and tell her. And Courtney's like, I love that. And she's like, okay, no problem. I'm going to have someone bring it over to you now. So... Courtney says to her, she's like, by the way, I had no idea that the blue dress was for the Met Gal, and I had no idea that Mugler's team was there, which was nice. She apologized without even like, well, I think this is one of the things about, and there's like a lot of memes about this, so you may be able to relate to this, like, like sibling fights, I feel that there's never a discussion. It just ends. Like somebody just decides to stop being mean and the fight's over. Well, and that's one of the things that that's one of the things that Kim and Courtney were both saying after when they were live tweeting it or like before after last week's episode when they were watching the preview and they're like, I don't think this fight was actually ever resolved. Like, I'm still angry about it. And it wasn't ever resolved. They just both decided to just stop being mean to each other. Yeah. There was no sit-down conversation where Kim was like, this is why I was upset. I took it out the wrong way and I'm sorry. And Courtney was like, I was really taking it out on you when I was really upset about it. There was no discussion like that. Exactly. Kind of just, yeah. it just It just dissipated. Yeah. So... Anyway, Courtney ends up trying on the dress. She tries on a couple of other things, and she goes with this Versace dress that Donatella had sent over. Listen, it was stunning, but I'm not going to lie. It wasn't my—like, I thought that there were better. That's why Kim gave it to Courtney. <laughs> yeah, wait. We saw a comment this morning that I screenshotted it because I didn't know if she was going to delete it. That was like, um, someone commented like, I don't know. I just didn't think that dress was it. Like, amazing party, but didn't love the dress. And Courtney replied and was like, maybe Kim was sabotaging me. Obviously, that wasn't the case, but it was funny. Anyway, we're at the party— and it was, it's so cool. Guys, we saw this and I know you did too. We saw this shit on Snapchat and Instagram. We saw it on stories, on posts. And now we're seeing the behind the scenes. Somebody inboxed that today and was like, I don't know about you, but I could have watched Courtney's birthday for the whole hour. And I was like, fuck a, yeah, I could have. In a heartbeat. Um, you know, everyone's there. Sia, Quavo, Paris Hilton, French, Robin Thicke is singing. I mean, you name it, they're there. Rain is in this I can't. I, no, he's so cute in his little suit, no tie with his bun. No, I know no, he is the cutest little thing that has ever existed. So Courtney comes downstairs after kind of deciding and she makes her entrance walking in with P, the, the 
their sparklers kind of set up. It's gorgeous. Like it really is really gorgeous. beautiful. Exactly what Courtney wanted. Like not tacky, just gorgeous, chic, elegant, sexy. That's what she wanted. She's like, I want a sexy vibe. And she goes over to hug Scott, which thank God, thank you videographers for getting this part on camera. Um, she says like, love you, which yeah. I just, that was a moment. It was a moment. And you know what was nice about it is that they made sure we knew. It wasn't like we had a catcher. Like, I think she just said, I love you. Like, they put it in the, the subtext. Yeah. And the caption. It was really nice. Um, Chloe orders nine shots of Don Julio, which I don't know if there was some ad going on for Don Julio here. But, but honestly, what else are they going to drink? They always drink Don Julio. No, it's true. And Courtney's kind of just like, she's looking great. She's vibing. She's talking to Jonathan about freaking out about being 40. And she asked him, like, did you freak out when you turned 40? And he was like, yeah, I mean, I'm still freaking out. And he's like, but you have you know, kids and I don't, which I think he was saying in like a positive thing about her, but like, but look how far you've come at 40 versus like. Right. Like it's, it's much different being 40 single childless <laughs> as opposed to being 40, still looking fucking amazing and having three gorgeous kids. Right. Not that there's any, obviously nothing wrong with, with being single or childless. That's totally people's choice and that's completely fine. But I think what Jonathan was saying was that it hit him harder for that reason, unless I misinterpreted it. No, I think so too. And I think that also, you know, sometimes for certain people, it's not their choice. And it really hits them hard on their birthday when it's like, okay, I just hit this age and all of these things that I wanted to accomplish, I don't have in my life. I'm not saying Jonathan felt that way, but I can understand a lot of people turning that and looking at Courtney and being like, listen, I understand the anxiety about turning 40, but look at everything you've accomplished in your life and everything you have. And it's almost like it, it, it's, it, it, Courtney needed to understand that in order to alleviate her stress about the situation. It's so true. So we're seeing everything. We're seeing Kanye, you know, trying to, getting on the DJ action. We're seeing Kanye and Quavo talking. Simon Huck, which, you know, he's our boy. So handsome. Looks so, damn good in a suit. I, we literally turned to each other like, damn, Simon, you clean up nice. Damn, Simon. Um, Courtney's saying, she's like, I don't feel limited by age. She feels better now that the day has come. Robin Thicke and Sia saying happy birthday to her, which I got to tell you, the amount, every single person's iPhone was out watching uh, Tricorni and I turned to Julia's like, this is my worst nightmare. Yeah. Angles from everywhere. Everywhere. No fucking mercy. Robin Thicke and Sia both look fine at any angle though. Don't you agree? <laughs> yeah, and see, and Corny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing, it wasn't really on Corny. It was like Robin Thicke and Sia are singing happy birthday to you. I know. I just they, they harmonized beautifully together. Beautifully. They always do. I miss John Legend <laughs> they, a little. They always do. As if they're always just together well, singing. I feel like at a I lot do of miss John Legend events. too. Yeah. I think I think I remember them being away. I remember I'm pretty sure that Chrissy and John were both away. And I was like, oh, John's not gonna sing happy birthday. Yeah. So fucked up we are. Okay. We are moving on as if this episode didn't have enough. Like as if us understanding Chloe's breakdown and Courtney's 40th weren't enough. They also give us fucking Easter Sunday service at Coachella. Well, that's why I was so caught off guard. I was never expecting those two things to combine. Although I have to say that was dumb of me because time-wise, knowing when True's birthday is and knowing when Coachella is, I should have figured that out. Yeah, but it's just, this goes to show that I think that this is going to be an excellent season because if they could pack two giant events into one episode and not have to stretch it out, what the fuck is coming next? I'm telling you guys, this is a good-ass season. So our podcast network, Cadence 13, has this division called the C13 Originals team. And they're creating a lot of really awesome shows, you know, Root of Evil and Gangster Capitalism, which was focused all kind of on the college admission scandal. And they have a brand new groundbreaking music documentary podcast coming out called Long May They Run. Basically, it's going to explore like these iconic touring bands who have a really lasting impact on music, culture, the industry, their fans, and beyond. And stick around at the end of this episode because we're going to play the trailer. And it includes music of and interviews with the band Fish. So let us know what you think. 
Okay, so we're at the Palm Springs house. They're all getting ready. And I mean, I just can't wait this house. I literally, I get like, I say this every time. I get a physical reaction. I yeah, get same. like turned on from this house. hundred percent. It's so, oh my God. Talk about chic and sexy. That house is beyond. Floor to ceiling windows open. So minimalistic, but so stunning. I Minimalistic, but homey. It's But so Palm Springs. So Palm Springs. So, you know, they're just talking in the morning, whatever. Kim's, I have to tell you, it was one scene where Kim was talking about her doctor's appointment and it's Chloe and Corey sitting on the couch. Chris is in the kitchen and Kim is in this like yellow bikini, which her tits looked so fucking good. I yeah. can't, I, when Kim, I can't not look at Kim's boobs. No. What like, are you, you're a human being. Of course you can. No, what? what was so funny is I was thinking like in that moment for a second, I don't know if I, did I say this to you? Like Corey sitting there, like not, not that he was being at all creepy or at all weird. And like, he, I'm sure he doesn't sexualize her at all, but it's his, literally his girlfriend's daughter. But for a second, it's like, there's no way he's not looking. Yeah. Like, I don't care how- There's no way it's like a quick up to the corner of your eye and then right back down. Right back down, like back to business, would never try anything and not like that at all. But as a straight woman, I have that. So I can't even imagine as like a guy who's into that type of w- woman. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, it's always funny for me. Yeah, to, I understand To see that, that. dynamic. Anyway, um, it was really cute there. Courtney's like laying out by the pool and they're all taking pictures. Penelope is taking pictures of her. It was really cute. On the iPad. Yeah. Mason's in the background dancing and Chloe's like, Mason, get out of the photos. You're messing up your mom's background. It was it was funny. Um, it also made me think of how a lot of times when Courtney claps back, she says like, oh, P took this. Or like, P t- P's a photographer. But this was them showing that she actually does take them. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing Marcus Hyde was taking down because now P has room to shine. <laughs> Truly. Um, okay, next season. I mean, scene. <laughs> God, God forbid. Moving on to the next scene, Julie writes, none of you bitches warned me that this was a Sunday service Coachella episode. No. No one. <laughs> this is literally Julie. Jesus walks, as a, Jesus walks as a fucking banger. It's nice to not see this through a fish lens. Emma's saying how Kim must be so turned on because there's something about seeing your spouse in their element. That was a really good point. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never compliment you. No, I just- um, Yeah, there, there, I think there's something about- it's like Kylie watching Trav on stage, or like, or like, or like, or like Chloe watching Tristan previously at a basketball game. Yeah, or like Kendall's boyfriend watching her walk the runway, or whatever. Or like it is. me watching LeBron. Yeah, or me watching Chance. <laughs> exactly. No, but or me watching Bieber. It's or like, like anyone. Or me Drake. watching SNL. <laughs> Drake. Yeah. No, but um, Connie's on this like grassy hill, and he's just like rapping. And I just said, if I was Kim in that moment, I'd be like, I cannot wait till you're done and we can get home, and I can just fuck you. Yeah. Like. While the kids are looking for those Easter eggs. Yeah. Like, I did, I don't know. I just felt that way. You know what I mean? I want to know, like, really, like, intimate details of what their sex life is still like. Obviously, same. I mean, listen, we got Kylie and Travis's Playboy interview, which we're going <laughs> to talk about in our regular episode, which we're recording after this with Drake Bell. We'll see how down he is to discuss it. I don't know how that'll go. but He's obviously going to be down. Who wouldn't be down to discuss that? Well, just, I don't, he clearly does not care as much about the intimate details as we do, but we'll see how that goes. But, yeah. That was insane, which we'll get into. I can't wait. I can't. I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. okay sorry. Um, so that happens. And then we go to the last scene, which talk about ending with a fucking bang, you guys. No, this is my favorite scene in any episode ever. You do walk us through the beginning and all around us okay. out. Okay. So we innocently go back to the house for Easter. It's like, what was I, I was expecting? I, I knew that they were at the house for Easter. I knew it was, you know, you see them looking for the Easter eggs. Obviously, Saint finds the biggest one. Obviously. Fucking duh. 
Chicago's on the train. I just think it's a normal Easter Sunday. And then all of a sudden, we roll in fucking squad deep. Travis walks in with Harry Hudson. Two Chains walks in. Kanye's holding true, which is fucking adorable, Uncle Ye. And he's like, say hi to Two Chains. <laughs> That's the funniest line I've ever heard in my life. We literally said to each other, we have to make that the title of this episode. It's so funny. True, say hi to Two Chains. Like, just so casually. It was so funny. True said, and, and two, cha- two Chains is so cute. He's like, she's so beautiful. And then and Chance walks in. It's like... First of all, Chance in the Palm Springs house needs its own category on Pornhub. There's nothing hotter I've ever seen in my entire life, ever. Yeah, because honestly, both of those two things separately you could get off to, and then you put them together, and it's like, I am literally going to come. Like, I'm going to. Going to. Yeah. There's no way. Those two things combined, it should be illegal. It should be illegal for Chance to stand in that house. It's not, without a trigger warning? Are you kidding? Julie literally, she's like, this episode needed to come with a trigger warning. I was like, you are so goddamn right. In the beginning of a Euphoria episode and a lot of other TV shows, black screen, viewer discretion advised, sexual themes may arise. I did not get sexual (laughs) themes may arise and then sexual themes arose. I don't think they assume that the average person is like literally like fingering themselves to like chance like in in Chris's kitchen. Like, you know what I mean? Like we see the Marvel and we see, Julie was out for the count. I'm not exaggerating. Like we're not playing this up. I swear to God. She's like, I, they, they I can't know. fucking handle this. Like she, it was so It was funny. really a lot. And also like uh, the other thing about everybody being, first of all, Alexander Wang comes through. Everyone's there. It is so Chris that she would have obviously everybody come over after Sunday service at, Coachella, knowing that they're not going to drive back to LA to be with their families, Chance came in with his daughter. I'm sure two Chains kids were there. Like, it's so fucking Chris. Lala was there. Everyone was there. Courtney's talking to Alexander Wang about, like, being 40. And and this is after Chance is on the screen. And Julie's like, Courtney, like, we get it. I'm sorry. But, like, we got to come back to Chance. Yeah. Alexander Wang also, like, I don't think he wanted to be in that conversation. I just wanted to save him. It was like, we get it, Courtney. It was Chance is here, though. It's a good thing that Chance wasn't talking, like, Courtney wasn't trying to talk to Chance about it. Because I'd have been like, this is, no. I know. This is not what he's here for. Also, Kanye chasing Saint around or, or Snorch yeah. around. That no, was... Saint was, oh my God. And Kanye like always has them, that's such a dad thing. He always has them on his shoulders. I don't know. It was just, a, it was like a, the best ending that could have ever happened. Everybody was so happy. We see it end with the, the iconic family picture where we don't know where P was. We still don't know. Everybody's asking us like, guys, I, I, have, <laughs> I have genuinely no idea, but don't worry when we get to ask the Kardashians all the inconsequential inconsequential questions that we want to, that will be high Why on the list. Why is that a bigger mystery? Why was no one even during that picture like, where's Pay? I don't know. Maybe she had like a temper tantrum or she like fell asleep or something. And they're like, know. let's just do it without her. It was also the first time we saw Kylie in the entire episode. And I turned to Julie and I was like, Kylie is literally so much above this. Like she doesn't, she doesn't even pretend to care. Like she wants to make a cameo on the episodes. Yeah. Like she just shows up and she's like the background figure that we're like, and I'm sure she gets paid like the same amount. Yeah. Like she used to make, they, I mean, listen, they do make a lot of money, but for her, it's like child's play. Like yeah. what, what's a million, five million, ten million a season, please? So it's Stormy World. Ex- exactly. Yeah. That tweet that someone posted in the group that was like, um, yeah, on the outside, I act like everything's fine. But inside, I'm just upset that I'm not Stormy or something. Yeah. I was like, that is so spot on. If you could be any of the kids, would you choose Stormy? No, Chicago, hands down. But I'm not talking looks. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I think I would want Kim as my mom. Yeah. I'd be North. Because you'd be, be an icon. Yeah. Like, just, you're just an icon. Penelope, Isabel's so Penelope. Isabel's, Isabel is Penelope. Yeah, Isabel's so Penelope. I don't know. Yeah, you're kind of Chicago. I'm so North. Fucking leader of this whole group. <laughs> I don't know. I just, this, this really just hyped me up for the rest of the season. I was like so in it. 
Is Chance going to be in every episode? I mean, I can't. Imagine. Imagine Chance just becomes a regular. I know this would never happen, obviously, but imagine Drake walks in. Like, imagine the only thing hotter than Chance in the Palm Springs house would be Drake in the Palm Springs house. They're fighting, so it wouldn't even happen. I know, but could you fucking imagine? I just can't get over how classic it is that, like, obviously Chris threw Easter for everybody. Yeah. So your mom, too. So, I was thinking that. Did I not say that I know, to but you? I was thinking during it. I was like, oh, it's so Karen. <laughs> I can't watch the Kardashians without— the, my, my, You guys have to understand, like, my mom looks exactly like Chris. I swear to God. I, but personality-wise, it's just it's everything. everything. It's so crazy. so thoughtful, so glamorous, the way that they, like, do things. Like, like Chris would never not have everything so perfectly planned out, like, to, to the T. But not even just like that. It's just, like, would it never have— Easter and not think to have everybody who didn't have somewhere to go for Easter to come over to her Palm Springs house. It's so true. At my mom's funeral, our dry cleaner was there. Like, you don't, there was not a person because my mom never didn't make everybody feel so at home. Like, yeah. you know, it just, that's just how it is. Anyway, um, anything else you want to say? That was an amazing episode. I just loved amazing every second. Amazing episode. Someone, by the way, someone emailed us as we were walking in saying like, Travis walking in, uh, smoking a blunt with, with Harry into in Chris's house. I didn't even notice he was walking I, Honestly, we were so distracted by chance we didn't even notice. Did you really think he was smoking a blunt? There, I didn't see it at all. I felt like that's something I normally notice. I mean, she wouldn't have just made that up. So I think she, that he probably was. Maybe she just assumed. Also, <laughs> as you say, as Kylie says, like, he's always smoking. Yeah, I love, we'll talk I love that for him. Ky- Kylie on Ellen, when she was like, yeah, like, they're asking what he smells like. And he's like, she's like, yeah, he smells like cologne and, and weed. <laughs> yeah, she's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Iconic. Yeah, he's always smoking, which obviously we, we could not support more. Okay, we will see you guys next week for another episode. And we'll see you tomorrow for our episode with Drake Bell. He's coming in about, about 30 minutes. I think so. Okay. Let's get some more chairs in this room. <laughs> love you guys. We talked about Long May They Run a little earlier in this podcast, and we promised the trailer, so here it is. C-13 Originals. What if I had known at the beginning of Fish what I know now? You know, the band is like an organic, ever-growing thing. I think that's why, you know, Fish ultimately has the popularity that it does today is that there were so many people who were sort of drawn in for any number of reasons, but certainly I think part of it has been that collective journey. Definitely, definitely. There wouldn't be any music if there weren't people there, and and you have to go up there and just love it. I would think that would be pretty clear from all the years of Fish. That's a conversation I had with Trey Anastasio, lead singer and guitarist of Fish, for a piece I wrote back in 2002. I first saw Fish at a tiny club in the late 80s. Now, decades later, the band is still touring, still making a cultural impact, and I'm still covering them. I'm Dean Budnick, and this is Long May They Run, season one, Fish. I saw them in the late 80s, and the people are going like crazy. I mean, they're dancing like a storm. After the show, I rushed backstage. I said, look, I'm quitting my job as a promoter. I'm your new manager. I've seen it, and that's the future. They changed the industry. They've changed the landscape, the entire festival circuit. We're going to draw 75 to 80,000 people to an Indian reservation in the middle of Florida on New Year's 1999. No one's ever heard of us. We're going to do it anyway and have it work. This is our path. We're going to follow it. We don't care where it leads. The Baker's Dozen, a different show every night at the world's most famous arena. Not a single song repeated. 
I beg everyone to find me a band who could do that. There are chances being taken. They're looking for something that feels like a high wire act, something that could potentially fall flat on its face. It's our little thing. This isn't really a genre, it's a cult. Oh my God, I'm in a cult. (laughs) What just happened there? All of a sudden, everyone in unison falls to the ground. How the hell did they know to do that at that moment? Fish takes nothing seriously and everything seriously. That's the thing that people relate to, is that life is funny. We can take our art really seriously, but let's not take ourselves too seriously. After all this time, Fish is still filling arenas. And there's no shortage of stories about the impression they've left on music culture. In this documentary, you'll hear the ones that matter most told by the people who live there. We really did think, and still to this, you know, to this day, think that we weren't really very good, you know, in most accepted ways. <laughs> we weren't great singers, and we weren't great individual instrumentalists. So we worked so hard at creating the group sound. What's interesting about it is the interplay and the conversation that's going on, you know. Welcome to Long May They Run, the C-13 original series, premiering September 18th on Apple Podcasts, radio.com, and wherever you get your shows. They took on stuff that no other band would want to take on. There was just nothing like it. And so I went from begrudgingly competing with them to sitting at their feet. Oh. 